welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Sammy and I got married 25 years ago, a quarter of a century, yes, thank you. And uh, I, know, I know many people here, it's been much longer than that. And, and I do, believe it or not, remember one or two things from our wedding day. And um, I remember very little from the sermon, the talk, uh, during the, the service. Yes, that is us. I'm, I'm so sorry. If only I'd known you then, you'd have helped me. Um, I remember very little from the, from the sermon in, in, in the service, but I remember the, the preacher kept saying four particular words, and he'd look at Sammy and me, and I think especially at me, and again and again in the, in the talk at my wedding, he said, keep it simple, stupid, kiss, keep it simple, stupid, and, and you know, he, he, he knew us quite well, he knew that Sammy and I have a slight tendency to get over busy, over complicated, to be quite greedy, not just for stuff, but for experiences. And so, kindly but firmly, he kept saying, guys, keep it simple, stupid. And I I remember feeling a little bit disappointed by this, because I thought, this is my wedding day. If it was ever a time I was going to get an encouraging, affirming word, and not a sort of slight, gentle rebuke, it should be my wedding day. Uh, But as I look back now, I realize that it was brilliant and profound and necessary advice because life can get incredibly complicated and actually at heart the way of Jesus is simple. And uh, Sammy and I recently have felt God speaking to us about this again. Keep it simple, stupid. And, uh, and, uh, and he's been saying to us, slow down. Uh, you know, sometimes it's good to speed up um, sometimes Jesus was too busy even to eat, so it's not wrong to sometimes be hurried. Uh, but uh, mostly the way of Jesus, there's a steadiness about it. Uh, we walk in step with the Spirit. And, and uh, so Sammy and I, re- recently we bought a barge, and uh, we're about to sell our house. We're going to move on to the barge. We thought, well, if God's telling us to slow down and simplify, let's take him literally for a change. And so four miles an hour feels... Uh, terrifyingly slow dog walkers overtaking you on the banks keep it simple stupid our theme today is simplicity simplicity it wasn't just the preacher at our wedding who called us to be simple and keep things simple it is Jesus himself because simplicity as we're going to see, is not just a lifestyle choice for people who like kind of minimalism and decluttering and Philip Glass and Marie Kondo. Uh, Simplicity uh, is uh, one of the keys to uh, happiness and holiness in life. Radical contentment, a certain frugality, is not just a way of life for some. It is the way of Jesus for all. And, you know, um, some people have said, is this just sort of self-help? I'm going to prove this is not self-help. Actually, uh, these are the actual words of Jesus. His teaching is crystal clear. 
it is completely consistent and it is confrontationally challenging. And mostly, therefore, churches try to avoid the teaching of Jesus on this subject or we try to explain it away. And so today I want us to be brave and dare to actually face up to what Jesus, the actual words of Jesus, uh, are to us. So I'm just going to read, unadorned, I'm going to read the words of Jesus about simplicity and about not accumulating too much stuff. And uh, I don't apologize for it. I can't as a minister of the gospel because these are the words of Jesus. Matthew 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Oh, my word. These are the trainers Bill was wearing on Sunday. I mean, if a guy like that can pull off this look, I'm pretty sure I can rock it. (laughs) Furbo dog camera with treat-tossing technology. Oh, wow. Dispense doggy treats automatically with your smartphone from anywhere in the world. (coughs) Just £249. I'm sorry, but I've got to get one of those for Hector. (laughs) Note, this is not for me, it's for Hector. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So, you talking to me? Hang on, did you just call me greedy? Do you know why I have to buy stuff like this for my dog? Because I'm away a lot, working, earning the money to keep the wolf from the door. You you can't tell me what I can and can't do with my money. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Exactly, it's for the dog. (laughs) You need to get real. Do, Do you know how expensive it is to live in Guildford? Sell your possessions. Well, you mean eBay. Sell (laughs) your possessions and give to the poor. Give to... (laughs) All right, yeah, yeah, okay. I do my bit, all right? I buy the big issue. I help out at church. I'm all about social justice. Radical redistribution of wealth. That's me. Tom's shoes. Vegan before lunchtime on the weekends. (laughs) I'm even saving for a Prius. Honestly, check my Insta feed. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Okay, you've lost me, because that is exactly what I worry about. Money to pay the bills. I, no offense, mate, but you're sounding like a bit of a hippie. you just got no idea what it's like in the real world. Do you think that if we spend all day worshipping and selling our stuff on eBay, that somehow food and clothing is going to miraculously fall from the skies? Shopkeepers will give us stuff for free. I have to say, I'm feeling a little bit judged here, actually. Someone's got to pay the bills. I earn my money. 
I deserve it. I give what I can. That's just the way it works. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Who are you calling a camel? <laughs> anyway, I'm not rich. Jeff Bezos, he's rich. I'm not even comfortably off. In fact, I'm very uncomfortably off. Thank you. And by the time I've paid the rent and the council tax and done the Waitrose delivery, I've barely got enough left over for Netflix <laughs> and Amazon Prime and Starbucks. And Deliveroo on the weekends, obviously. But, I mean, it's... Have you seen these trainers? <laughs> Bill was where I thought that... Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Well, 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 well. You, you want me to command who to do what? Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves in a firm foundation and a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You seriously expect me to command rich people to be more generous? What's your plan there exactly? You expect me to just wander up to some Audi driver and tell him that he's missing out on real life if he just needs to learn to give it all away. <laughs> but this is just not how things work. Yeah, stop for a minute. Can, can, can I just be honest for a minute? Yeah, I mean, really honest. I'm sick of worrying about money. It's so exhausting. I never seem to have enough. And yet I still seem to be drowning in stuff. It's, it's like Christmas, you know, all that, all that buying and trying so hard to be happy. A couple of days later and a few hundred quid lighter, you're left thinking, was that it? Was that the pinnacle of human happiness. Surely there's got to be another way. A freer way. A simpler way to be. Wow, ladies and gentlemen, Paul Lancaster. <laughs> it's helpful to have professional actors in, in, in the church. The words of Jesus Christ are profoundly challenging. They were challenging and countercultural 2,000 years ago, and I suspect they might even be more challenging and more countercultural here today in this part of the world. Jean Baudrillard, who's a French sociologist, argues that in the Western world, materialism has overtaken religion as the new dominant system of meaning. We derive, in other words, our identity increasingly from what we buy, what we wear, what we drive, how much we are paid. 
And you have the ultimate visual aid of that right outside this venue. Come out of the theater, look to the left, and you'll see the Friary Shopping Center. And, and it's like we don't even see the irony. This was originally a friary. It was a house of prayer for Dominican monks who spent their entire lives praying on that location. And we've turned it into something that looks like a temple. But there's no longer prayer in there. It is for shopping, the uh, pursuit, the idolatry of consumption. Jesus invites us, no, Jesus commands us to be very careful indeed in such a culture that we don't get seduced into spending and accumulating. He invites us not just to unclutter our homes, but to unclutter our lives. And on that, we actually we have someone in this church, Catherine Bennett, many of you will know Catherine, who is a professional declutterer. And she's very busy. There's a lot of demand for her services in this part of the world. And uh, I said to her, can you just write up your six top tips for how to live more simply in terms of just material stuff? And she's done that, and we're going to email it. Any of you that are on the email list, you'll, you'll get emailed Catherine's six steps to a simpler life. And if, you do, if you're not interested, fine, just don't, don't read it. But some of you might find that helpful. You'll, you'll get that this week. I want to say very clearly at this point, however, because if we ended here, you might have a false notion. Jesus was not anti-money. He was not anti-possessions. He was a carpenter in a family of carpenters, which means he was middle class. And then he became a rabbi, and that was a really good job. He was supported financially by wealthy women, and he even needed, amongst his 12, to have a treasurer. Uh, it didn't work out so well because it was Judas that he chose. But the point is, there was obviously money coming in and going out all the time. We know that Jesus often stayed with wealthy friends, and he would, he would eat with them so much so that he was accused of being a glutton uh, and a, a, a drunk because he wasn't living as ascetically, as kind of sort of, like, you know, without stuff, the way that people wanted him to as someone they perceived as a holy man. We know that Jesus' clothes were high-end, because tragically, at the cross, when he had been stripped of them, the, the, the Roman guards were, 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 were casting lots to see who was going to get his clothes. And we're even given this fascinating detail that his undergarments uh, were of a single piece of linen, which means that they were expensive. So Jesus was wearing nice stuff. He had wealthy friends. Uh, he, he's accused uh, of living it up a bit too much. He had people who supported him. He was from a middle-class background. Sometimes uh, people present Jesus as this sort of, you know, uh, penniless preacher in a way he was, but he was comfortable with and familiar with money. So I don't want you to get the wrong idea here. But what he says consistently, as we have heard, is that we must not be owned by our possessions. As the saying goes, anything you can't give away, you don't own it, it owns you. He calls us consistently to be generous because he says that's how you will enjoy life the most. That's how currency is designed to flow. 
He calls us continually to practice contentment, whether we have a lot or a little, to live more simply that others might simply live. And so in a moment, I'm going to introduce you to someone extraordinary who represents this model in a very powerful way. But first, I'm going to very, very quickly give you five practical keys, just hot tips of things you might think about doing, just one of these in, in the coming week or two, to obey the way of Jesus with regard to simplicity. So here we go. First one is this. Learn to pray before you pay. Pray before you pay. What I mean by that is shop intentionally. Try not to buy impulsively. Ask yourself, do I really need this thing or do I merely want this thing? We've got a wonderful family. Many of you know them in this church, the Brewers. We love the Brewer family. And one of their great things is, is they, um, they love to get out in the mountains, out in the great outdoors. They, they're, they're just always on adventures. And they often invite people to join them going uh, out into the wilds. And they have a really nice uh, VW van that they use to get up to the highlands of Scotland or whatever, and they sleep in the back. But I remember talking to Tom about this. And you might think it's a no-brainer. You like the great outdoors. You know, VWs are good vans, good advertising. Let's have one of those. But actually, they took years saving up for that van, and they really did pray and think and wrestle, is it okay to buy this van? And they really felt this, this is actually a good investment. They were people who weren't just buying impulsively. They were praying before they paid. Next key, learn to shop a little more sustainably. Shop sustainably. This means repairing and reusing and recycling things. This is now seen as a great environmental cause. When I talked to my grandmother, she, she's Scottish, and she was, you know, being a mum during the Second World War, and she's just like, that's frugality. That's just what you have to do. Uh, but learn to reuse and reuse. Don't just always automatically buy stuff. Um, I, I own three pairs of shoes. This is one of them. And uh, 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 I was given these, these, these um, Chelsea boots, and they got a hole in, in the bottom of them uh, last year. And uh, I took them into Timpson's on the high street there, and I couldn't believe how expensive it was to get, to get them repaired. And I got all indignant for a bit, and I thought, I can pretty much get a new pair of boots for that. And then it did strike me, actually, it's better to repair them than to get new ones and then throw these out and they go into landfills somewhere. It's better to do that. It's better for the environment. And Timpson's is a brilliant ethical company who creates jobs for many people coming out of prison. And so, actually, uh, how wonderful that I haven't given in to the advertising pressure that I've just got to get new stuff. And by the way, the moment I say to Sammy, uh, I've got a hole in my boots, I might need to get some new ones, amazing how many adverts pop up on my Insta feed and everywhere else telling me about where I can get boots from. I also recently complimented Sammy on a, a new piece of knitwear that she had bought. I'm, I'm actually in quite a lot of adverts for women's knitwear at the moment, um, which I'm enjoying, not enjoying in a weird way. I'm just, I'm, you know what I'm saying. I've got a simple principle. Once my wardrobe is full, one in, one out. If I buy something new, I get rid of the old ones. Learn to love charity shops. What a blessing. What a gift. Third, learn to, we have to live to give. We're not living to get, but to give. There's someone in this church, I won't name them, but I know that they pay extra for their car insurance to get one of those policies where anyone can drive it. 
because they said, God's blessed me with a really nice car, and I know I can get a bit selfish with things, and I just want to be able to chuck the car keys to people and lend it just freely to people. It's just a quiet little thing that he does. Live to give. There's a brilliant family in this church who they were converting their garage and putting in you know, a, a, a bedroom and whatever, and they now allow uh, some people also in this church, on staff of this church, to live in that space very, very, very affordably, which is how they're able to minister. It's just quiet generosity, living to give. And I see it everywhere in our community. And this shouldn't surprise us because this is a 2,000-year-old way for the church. We know that the early church shared their possessions radically. One early church father said this, We hold everything in common in the church except our wives. <laughs> I just find it funny he had to clarify that. Give, give, to, give to charities, give to the church. Once you've given it, you can't spend it on something else. And Sammy and I worked out quite early on, we need to do our tithing at the start of the month, not the end of the month, because it, it never seemed to be around by the end of the month. But once I've given it into something that matters and something eternal, I can't spend it on, you know, a new piece of knitwear for my wife or whatever it is. I'm going to have to come right off women's knitwear because that's, it's not a thing. It's just, you know. Fourth, subvert the system with sarcasm. You don't often hear preachers advocating sarcasm, but there is a place for a little bit of sarcasm in life. And I tell you why, that you know as well as I do, there is a multi-billion dollar industry that is ganging up to continually persuade you that you need more stuff, that your life will be better with more stuff, and just to turn you actually and me into a product. That's what's happening. Some of the brightest minds in the world and some of the biggest sums of money in the world are seeking to turn us into consumers in this culture. And so I want to encourage you, even with your kids, learn to poke fun at adverts, whether it's a billboard advert or something you see on TV or whatever. Um, the new Coke one, taste the feet. Like, honestly, like, just, just turn off all the cool imagery. Taste the feet. I, what is that? What are you even talking about? Mmm, can you taste this feeling? You know, and then your kids later going, I feel sad. Mmm, I can taste it. You know, you sit down to dinner. Thank you for this meal. I'm tasting the feeling, darling. Learn to laugh at this industry because it is out to control you. And one of the best ways we can defy it is to help our kids decode it and not be manipulated by it. And can I suggest it's not just our kids but we are all vulnerable. Subvert the system with sarcasm. And then um, finally, go fast this Lent. What are you going to fast? Lent starts on Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. It's a traditional season for going without, for self-denial in some way. Remembering Jesus going into the wilderness for 40 days, depriving himself, fasting, and going into spiritual warfare there. It was the launch of his ministry, and so we step into this 40-day season before Easter. Can I encourage you to deny yourself something? Uh, for a lot of people, of course, it, it can be you know, a meal a day, but for others, it can be things that might be more challenging. How about, how about if we all fast Amazon for Lent? 
you know, with two billion Christians in the world, if let's just say half of us all refused to use Amazon for 40 days, their business model would die. Jeff Bezos would be panicking and wondering why. Wouldn't it be a lovely moment when the report finally came back to the boardroom, the Church of Jesus Christ has decided not to use your services for a month? Wouldn't that be a great moment? Wouldn't you just like that? Um, Although I have to say, when I said this earlier, my wife was sitting just there. She almost fell off her chair at the prospect of a month without Amazon. Uh, what about a month without screens? What about a month without coffee? Okay, we're going to change gear now. First bit, we looked at the teaching of Jesus and, and the challenges of that with that brilliant sketch from Paul. The second bit of this talk, I've just tried to unpack a little bit of Jesus' teaching on simplicity, and now we're going to really bring it home uh, to land. We're incredibly uh, fortunate in this church to have uh, a number of people who are uh, involved with a phenomenal organization called CSW, which is uh, working with governments and campaigning around the world to make sure that there is freedom for people who are being persecuted, put in prison, tortured, and so forth for their faith. And uh, in fact, the founder of that organization is here. Where are you, Merv? There he is. Uh, Mervyn Thomas, the, the founder of CSW, Scott Bauer, who's one of the elders of this church. He's the CEO of it. There's a number of others in the church that work for CSW. And it's through that relationship uh, that I have the opportunity now to draw this theme of simplicity together in quite an extraordinary way. It's my great privilege uh, this morning to welcome one of the strongest, most courageous and resilient women that I've ever met. Uh, you're going to find out why it's extraordinary in a moment, but would you put your hands together, please, and welcome Helen Bahani to the stage. Um, Helen, just in case I forget later, you've written a fantastic book that people can buy before they come off Amazon, uh, Song of the Nightingale, uh, Helen Bahani. And once you hear this story, you're going to know why I want to mention that. Helen, uh, I know you're from Eritrea originally, uh, in East Africa, and uh, you became a follower of Jesus when you were eight years old, and then you grew up and you became a gospel singer in, in, in Eritrea. But then um, people arrested you, and they put you in a series of, of, of prisons. And then you ended up in one particular prison, which was a, a metal container in the, the desert. Just tell us a bit about the conditions there and, and what that was like. Thank you, everyone, pastor or CSW. Also, those people have been praying for many years when I was in prison, I'm the result of many people's prayers. Thank you very much for your prayer for me when I was in uh, prison. Yeah, the prison condition was very harsh because I have been in and out, but the final one is when the church shut down in 2002. So they arrested me in a metal shipping container so the condition was uh, very harsh because when we arrived first, the container was not very not clean. So it's uh, lice jump all over us. 
we start to crush our body. Also, it's extremely cold in the night. They don't allow us toilet. They gave us one bucket. So we can use the whole night. Also, it's very humid, no enough air. So around one o'clock in the day, it's extremely hot. So you feel something is cooking inside. So we feel dizzy and very suffocated. So those um, teenagers, they start to collapse on the floor. The elderly, they feel dizzy. So we have been kind of um, a very hard uh, situation. But with this all, this kind of uh, situation, we have been singing. The only thing, when they ask me, Helen, what can we do? So I quote from uh, the Bible, just from Act uh, 1625, also in book of uh, Joshua, because Sunday now we need the word. <laughs> from book of Joshua 6, um, 14, 15, I think. Also from uh, Philippi 4, 4, rejoice to the Lord, always rejoice. So when I received these words, I told them, the only thing now we can do is we sing. So all of them sing because the area is very quiet because of the torture. So I told them, yeah, we can sing. So I mentioned, thank you for the lies. Thank you for the cold, hot. So I put it as a song. It's like, Tamas 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 Gambuhulu, Tamas Gambuai, Tamas Gambuzahli, Tamas Gambuai, Tamas Gan, Tamas Gambuzahli. I mentioned thank you for cold, thank you for hot, thank you for this lies, thank you for this toilet. They call it food, but it's not food. When you eat that food, you get diarrhea. So you use this uh, packet, it's the worst, it's stinky. <laughs> So, because of the song, they tortured us. They took us outside, it cost us a lot. So, half of them, they go back to the container. We stay four or five girls outside. Imagine, around one month, they have different kind of torture. They ask you to roll on the floor, to care stone the whole day. Uh, also, they pull water on you, they have different kind of torture, they chain you. So we have been outside, day and night. So finally they say, they integrate us one by one. All of us, we say, we can't stop singing, but we don't disturb others. So they say, yeah, you can sing quietly. So I get permission, so we back to the container. So I'm keeping asking God how they allowed us, how? So I receive word from book of Daniel when Sidrach, Misach, Abednego, they stand by faith not to back down on the statue. So King Kodanats are in shock, isn't it? We throw in the fire three, there are four. So Jesus starts walking inside the fire. So sometimes it is very hard 
for them to let you go what you are doing, because I know how the prison in Eritrea is from bad to worst. That's why I'm asking how. So I say, God, Sidra, Misak, Abednego, he's with me. <laughs> Thank you, God. They allowed me to sing. So always, 32 months, I have been in this metal shipping container, keeping singing new melody, new melody. Amazing. So they are tired of me once. They say, Helen, you need to sign in this paper. They come with paper to deny my face. So I say, no. So they send me other container with mad woman. So she's gener the general um, wife's sister. She had been in the States for 23 years. I don't know why they put her. She need medication. So when I arrived there, she's shouting, crying. And she pulled my hair. It's kind of, imagine with man mental ill person in this tiny container. I stay for 10 months. Just always I'm singing when she's um, pulling my food. Just I continue singing and pray for her. But sometimes when you pray for somebody get healed, sometimes not. So I don't want caution God. It's up to him. But she didn't get healed, worst, worst. She don't get any medication. So, um, yeah, this one is the, the so, hardest. Helen, I just hesitate to interrupt because it's so moving. You were in this container for 10 months. That one with the, that woman yeah. who's very mentally ill. And how many were there in the previous container that you were in with? Uh, normally, we have been 19. So, in one of those 19 people, and how in total, how long were you in, in a container for? I have been for 32 months. 32 months. And they would take you out and they would uh, torture you and beat yeah. you, uh, try and stop you quoting the Bible and, 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 and worshiping, and you just kept doing it. And I find this incredibly, I don't know if, am I, I just find this incredibly challenging the times I'm at church thinking, I don't know if I feel like worshipping today. Um, and, and here you are being so courageous. So thank you for that. And, and I know that eventually, um, they, they, when they realized that you'd memorized the Bible, and so the Bible was in your head, they started to beat your head. And they, they pretty much left you for dead, didn't they? Um, and you, you were unable to walk. And so on. so they, they, they left you to die. And that's how you managed to escape eventually and, and come to Denmark. I know that um, Mervyn said the first time he met you, you weren't able to walk still from the torture, and, but all you were doing was quoting the Bible. Yeah. I just find this extraordinary. Did you never question God? Did you never doubt God in such a terrifying situation? Um, no. Always I uh, compare with the Bible, how the forefathers, they face this kind of thing when it's come exam mm. in their life. Because always we have exam. When you study the whole year, you need exam. If the teacher says, no, you don't have exam, you feel like, I have been working hard, studying. You need to exam me. So, but why in the church, when it's come exam, people, oh, I'm tired. I can't go with this kind of thing. So, yeah, it's the same thing for me. So always, when 
you are in a hard exam, so you can't go outside. You need to study one hour and 15 minutes uh, kind of uh, break. And that is my experience when I'm studying. So also in Christianity, it's the same. We have exam, but we need to understand how the forefathers, it's not only for them, it's also for us. So always, for example, when the lady um, pulled my hair, I asked God, you say everything is for good. So what is good? She pulled my hair all the time. So it reminds me, Abraham from the Bible, he traveled from Philistine to Moria to sacrifice his own son. So I'm like, oh, he didn't change his mind the first day. What about the second day? Third day. So sometimes we sacrifice the thing we have. That's why we have energy to speak or to give our testimony. If I'm not past that exam, if I'm questioning God, why, why, why? So I know he loved me. That's why he died on the cross. So no question about that. The only thing I need to find out, <laughs> what's going on? How can I understand the situation? So always I say, God, what is this? Can you teach me? So I caught from the Bible, I found out. Otherwise, if I start crying and uh, uh, doing other things, no solution. So Christianity, it's not stop in one. Grows, 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 mm. grows. That is the way. So, so through our suffering and our perseverance, we, we grow in, in the way of Jesus. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I just... We could today have just done a talk on simplicity and... It sounds a bit pathetic now, doesn't it? Fasting coffee or whatever. And what you've done is taken us to a place way beyond any of that. Where you lost everything. And yet you still had Jesus. And um, I'd love us just to... Um, I know Helen won't like this, but honor courage and honor... This is real leadership. You know, people... Our media talk a lot about strong women... Strong woman isn't someone who wears a particular slogan on a posh frock at an Oscar ceremony. This is a strong woman. This, 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 and this is the permanence of faith. Let's just honor Helen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Thank you. Thank you. And what I'm going to ask Helen to do now is she's going to, this is quite a moment. Actually, why don't we stay standing if you're able to? Why don't we stay standing? I'm going to ask Helen to sing over us one of the songs she wrote in that metal container. This isn't a worship song that's just come out of some nice, comfortable space. This is worship that is flowing from a place of having lost everything but still knowing Jesus. And if there's something in you, even on this Sunday, that's thinking, I don't know if I can trust God. If I give rather than get, if I live more simply, can I trust God? Helen is living proof that it will not be easy, but that he will be faithful. And not just faithful, but actually this is a song of joy and hope 
and defiance that comes out of that place. And I'll tell you where we're going to go after, with this, after Helen's sung. We're going to invite you to respond. And this is an unusual moment. We're going to invite you, those of you who'd like to do so, to repent today. To turn away from materialism and consumption and building identity around stuff. And to say, I am going to trust Jesus, come what may. And this may not be everyone here, but I'm sure some of us, I know I've been, I've been preparing, I've been profoundly challenged about my value system and how easily I get sucked into the value system of this part of the world. And the words of Jesus have just gone right through me. And, and, and so I want to call you, those of you who want to, so repent. And um, the way we'll do that is it's Ash Wednesday on, on Wednesday, and traditionally people will come and receive an ashing. They will receive a cross of ash on their forehead. And we're going to do that today for those who want to repent. Uh, those of you who are highly into liturgy, uh, firstly, I don't know what you're doing at this church, but so you're very welcome. But secondly, uh, feel free. We're doing it three days early. I'm so sorry. Feel free to do it again on Wednesday at the Lighthouse. But, but listen, when you come forward, the person who ministers to you is going to speak these words, 1,500-year-old words over you as they put the cross of ash uh, on your forehead. They're going to speak over you this. They're going to say, remember that you are dust. And to dust you shall return. Some people accuse us of being a happy, clappy church. Well, stick that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> All the stuff that we so easily dream of is just dust. We are just dust. But what Helen has, what we have in Christ Jesus is forever. And so this is not a bad deal. This is not a miserable moment of repentance. Joyful. Come to life. Come to hope. Come to invest in eternity. And so um, I've told you what's going to happen. Bill will lead that moment after Helen has sung. But let's uh, remain standing. And uh, you're going to see the words in English on the screen. And Helen, over to you. Come <laughs> 
الاخبار ولا تا ولا تا بزو بزو انت قيتاي بالو لا تاي ولا تا ولا تا بزو بزو انت قيتاي بالو لا تاي Pala wula tai, pala wula tai.